0: Well, I just want to welcome everybody here tonight and everyone that's listening on our podcast channel. If you've missed any of the teachings, you can go to our podcast channel and you can listen to them or go to the website and you can get that information. Just give you a quick recap of last week. Last week, we talked about the object of our faith. There's an object of our faith and it's about God's promises and it wasn't so much about the promises that God made, but it was about who made those promises and who made those promises was God. And God is always faithful to us, even when we're not. And that's why we live by the promises of God. We live by the word of God, not the explanations of the world, but we live by his promises because of who he is. He is so faithful to each and every one of us. And tonight we're going to be in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, and tonight's teaching is called Jesus Changes Everything, because we're going to see in this chapter that Paul compares the work of Adam in bringing sin and death into the world with the work of Jesus Christ in dying for our sins in order for us to receive God's free gift of grace for everyone who receives and believes that. And Paul demonstrates that sin and death came to men and women through Adam, through one man. Adam and Eve were real people, and what they did has lasting effects to the present day when it came to their sin. Paul states that Adam is more than just a historical figure, he is the first man. In Hebrew, Adam means humanity. So he's humanity. The whole of humanity is viewed as having existed through the first Adam. The question is, how can the actions of this one man have such a wide reaching effect on everyone? And Paul's going to explain how it's possible for God to save sinners in the person of Jesus Christ in one man and give the free gift of grace and righteousness and life to all of us through Jesus Christ, that one man, the one man Jesus, because Jesus changes everything. He saves us. But how was such a substitute possible? In the remainder of this chapter, Paul will draw attention to a couple key words. Paul gives the people something that they might ponder about, something for them to think about, and us as well. When he talks about this, it's the very heart of the letter. How can one man do this? So he turns to an analogy. He says, just as one man, Adam, had unleashed sin in the world, through his disobedience in the first place, that one man, Christ, was able to reverse the effects of sin in the world. More important, Paul explains why it had to happen this way, tracing the parallels between Adam and Jesus. Paul doesn't prove this. He simply accepts it as truth from the word of God in Genesis. Sin entered the world through Adam. The principle of death was introduced into the world when Adam sinned, and it reigned on earth ever since. Now, as we read Romans 5.12, we need to be sure we're reading for what it says. So let's take it in pieces before we try to put it all together. You You ever heard about eating an elephant? You eat it in pieces, right? One bite at a time. So we're going to take one little piece at a time with this and we're going to look at this. But the first thing I want us to look at is the word one. It's repetitious. Paul uses this word one probably about 11 or 12 times in this. And the key idea of this is our identification with Adam in the old creation and with Jesus in the new creation, this one man. Death through Adam and life through Jesus Christ. That's what we will observe from this text, that one man brought in sin while the other one brings us life. The second word is reign, which is used as well. He uses this word reign a couple times in there. And Paul saw that these two men, Adam and Jesus, each of them reigned over a kingdom. And of course, we know Adam was Over the first creation. He was there at the beginning. He was given dominion over the world, right? And the last phrase that we're going to look at is much more. And I like this one. The much more is really good. What it means, Paul's going to explain what that means to us. And what he's saying is we have much more in Christ than what we ever had in Adam. We have much more in Christ than we ever had in Adam. What he's saying there is the depth and the height of God's love, grace. That's what we have. That's much more than what Adam gave us, right? And that there are four consequences of Adam's sin or his failure. And that what we receive from the free gift of grace. The first thing we're going to look at is in verse 12. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. I'll give you a minute to get there. And as we look at these words and we get these, these the sayings of reigning and much more, think about that, what Paul's trying to say to this. So here we go in Romans 12, 5, 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin and in this way death came to all people because all have sinned now adam was given dominion over creation right we all know that that's the old creation and everything was good god said everything was good didn't he he said it was good and then in genesis 2:17 he says this but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. Adam sinned, and we see that. And the first consequence of Adam's sin, or Adam's failure, was that Adam sinned and brought sin into this world. Through his disobedience, Adam gave sin a foothold into this world. The disobedience of one man was very serious. Sin came into the world through him. And Paul uses this statement to chart the entrance of sin in the world and what sin brought with it. And what sin brought with it was sorrow, suffering, and sickness, and death. Not so so much of a great bonus, right, with sin. It came in death. So we can all thank Adam for that. Thanks, Adam. We really appreciate that. But I have a quick question for you. What spread to all the people or came to all the people? Was it sin or was it death? Paul uses the word death, not sin. He says that death spread to all. Death entered as a natural consequence of sin. In Romans 3.23, it says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Death spread because all have sinned and the wages of sin is death. And since death and sin are connected, we can know that all men are sinners because we're all subject to death, aren't we? Each and every one of us are subject to death. So what's Paul saying here? Paul's not saying that sin spread. Death is a consequence of that sin. Just as the wrath of God is described in Romans 1.18 is a consequence of sin. In Romans 1.18 it says this, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. God's wrath against godlessness and wickedness. Look where God's wrath is focused. It's focused at the godlessness and the wickedness of people, our sin. That's where it's focused. We are the cause, right? It's because of our sin. But Paul gives us a serious look and a close supporting clauses that illustrate a vivid picture of mankind under judgment. Paul clearly teaches that all have sinned. In Adam, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says this, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Amen? We're all made alive in Christ. So what can we conclude from this verse? Paul says that death is the penalty for our sins. The introduction of sin into the world brought several fundamental changes for all of us. All humans are mortal and we're all subject to death. Since our bodies are made of flesh and they suffer from sin's effects. Paul's point in this section is to trace the path that was brought about by the entrance of sin into the world or into our flesh. And we'll look at the trespass. The trespass is the beginning of Adam's sin. And Adam's sin changed everything for everyone, one man. We may not like the fact that we're all made sinners by the work of one man, but we are. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been disciplined as a group for something? Anybody? It's like the shotgun effect. I remember when I was growing up in school and um, somebody did something in class. I'm not sure it could have been me. I don't know. I'm getting old, so I can't remember. But at this time, you know, evidently the teacher was getting frustrated and very upset with what was going on. So she punished the whole class. And I thought, this kind of response is, is not really fair. It's kind of uncalled for. It's just simply unfair, is really what it is. But this still happens to us today, doesn't it? When one person does something, usually a group will get punished for all that. I didn't do that, but that's okay. The actions of one. Sometimes we have to pay the price because of one person's mistakes or miscues. And some people say, you know what? I want to stand on my own two feet. I don't want to be made a sinner because of someone else. And skeptics sometimes ask, was it fair for God to condemn the whole world just because of one man's disobedience? And I say to you, the answer, and this is through Paul, is of course. It was not only fair, but it was wise, and it was gracious to all of us. Think about this. If God tested each and every one of us, would the outcome have been any different? It would have been the same. There would have been disobedience in our lives. So let's look at this picture as we look at what the trespass for the sin did. Sin brought in death with it. And that's the second consequence because of Adam's failure is death. So death entered the world as a consequence of the sin. And we live under this looming shadow of death because we've all sinned. Death came because of Adam's sin. And we will all experience a physical death, each and every one of us. People sometimes, I've heard it say that they think, well, Adam is kind of like a myth, right? He's not real or anything. And sometimes I hear people say, well, that Bible, you really can't believe that. That's a bunch of baloney, isn't it? No, it's not. But there's one thing that you you can't deny. Everybody's going to die. And everybody does die. And that came from this one man sin, Adam's. Adam And Paul didn't say the wages of sins are death. He didn't say plural. What he said was in Romans 6, 23, he says, for the wages of sin is death. And this is referring to Adam's sin. The reason we will all die a physical death and a spiritual death and eternal death is because of that sin. And the reason that we would have been separated from God for all eternity. We would have been. Because he failed and brought sin into the world and death. But look at the good news at the rest of verse 623. Because I only read you the first part. The second part says, For the wage of sin is death, but God, amen, right? But with the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the good news. We have eternal life with Christ, but more importantly, Paul's saying, now that Adam introduced sin and death into the world, he clearly states that each one of us will die because of our own sins, that each one of us do. In verse 13, it says this, to be sure sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is the pattern of the one to come. And Paul gives us the supporting statements in verse 13. The questions, these questions probably came up about the law. So Paul's answering them. He's, they're saying, how could there be sin before the law of Moses? And Paul's, Paul's not saying there was not actual sin, only that you can't break a law that you're not subject to. If you didn't know that, and Paul clarifies this point, it's not that sin didn't exist before Moses. Of course, human beings have always sinned since the garden, right? But instead, what he's saying is Paul saying that this specific sins were not counted against people before the law. They weren't counted. It was not transgressions in the sense of breaking the written word of the law. It was simply sinful humanity expressing its self-serving, hurtful, deceptive, and immoral sin nature. Do we see that today? We see that. The law was too late to prevent sin and death, and it was too weak to save anyone from sin and death. For many of them, there was no law. You know, I talked about before about speeding down the highway. I went and was looking at a new truck, and I was going to buy it, but I changed my mind. But when I test drove it, I was doing like 95. I know, I'm, I got a lead foot. But I'm driving 95 down 95 because I thought that's what the speed limit was, Really, to tell you the truth. <laughs> So I'm going, but I wouldn't have been going very long before those lights were flashing in back of me, right? Because we have a law. It's the speed limit. We have that. But if I were in Germany on the Autobahn, there's no law to break, right? There's no law to break, and it would be perfectly acceptable. Where there's no law, you can't be held accountable, While sin was in the world, along with its consequences, death, there was not an accounting for sin at that time. There was no law during all the period from Adam until the law of Moses was given. It's not as people were getting off the hook because after all, men were still dying. Everyone died except for who? Enoch and Elijah. They were the only two that did not die. But as a general result demands a general cause. And what was the cause? And the cause was one man's disobedience, and that was Adam. When Adam sinned, he died. All his descendants died. The coming of the law changed all that, opening the door for a full account for us to be made. And the conclusion is that people die because of sin, and that came from Adam because all of sin. But what Paul had in mind here is God reconciled the accounts that when sin was committed, the presence of the law does not turn righteousness or sin into righteousness, does it? It doesn't do that. It turns supposedly our ignorance. To into knowledge. Remember, this book is not about knowledge. This book is about transformation. When we're transformed, when we know the Word of God, it's in our transformation of the knowledge of our wrongdoing. Remember, it's the mirror that we look in that we see our true self and who we are. And Paul's shown that our sinful nature and that every human being is born. Into as a result of Adam, and will have a separate. We will have a separation from God, inevitably separated from God for all of eternity. Before the law, there could be no accounting, but when it did finally come, God chose to exercise His kindness towards repentance. And I love this in Romans uh, two four. It says this: "Or do you not? Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness?" forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Amen? God's kindness, shown us that we're sinners, that he loves us, leads us to that repentance. In verse 15, it says, but the gift is not like the trespass. He's gonna make the correlation here. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more... There's that word, how much, much more did God's grace, the gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? Now, Adam's offenses are contrasted with Christ's free gift of grace. But the free gift is not like the trespass, it's not like the sin. Adam's sin, his trespass, had consequences for the entire human race. Many had died, and it resulted for us in judgment, resulting in condemnation, and death reigned over all men. But Jesus came through for us, didn't he? He came through for us, and what he came through for, it says he was bringing us gifts, right? Who doesn't like gifts? Anybody that doesn't like gifts? Everybody likes gifts, right? We do, but he came bringing gifts, and Jesus gives us the free gift That has consequences for all of us for eternity, but they're in a different way. Through the free gift of Jesus, the grace of God abounded to many. Jesus' grace, the result of Jesus giving us this free gift, grace abounded to many. Justification, abundant grace, the gift of righteousness and reigning life for all of us for eternity. The most important part of the gift is that God is able to save the whole human race through Jesus Christ. Amen? He's able to save us all through Jesus. The free gift of grace that Jesus gives us, heaps unmerited, undeserved, and the unearned favor of God upon each and every one of us. We could stop right there, couldn't we? Because we don't deserve anything. It's not about anything that we could do or anything that we will do. It's about what Jesus already did for each and every one of us. And now we'll see through Christ's obedience that grace came to the human race. And that's why he uses the words much more. And what he's saying here, this means that Jesus Christ, we have gained much more than we ever lost in Adam the depth and the height of God's love, we received grace. That's much more than we ever got from Adam, wasn't it? The words much more for grace of Christ brings not only a physical life, an abundant life, but also a spiritual life. Jesus did conquer death, but if we stopped there, he would only reverse the effects of Adam's sin. But Jesus wanted to do much more for each and every one of us. What God is taking us from, And what he's bringing us to, he's bringing us from death to everlasting life with him in heaven for all of eternity. He gives us eternal life abundantly to all who trust in him. In John 10.10, it says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So that we can all have an abundant life here. The first Adam, what did he do? He let us down. And the last Adam, which is Jesus Christ, is our hero. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. And Jesus will never let us down. And his grace reigns upon us that we have a life that's full and abundant in Christ. In verse 16, now it says, Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in the life of one man Jesus Christ. Death reigned, but righteousness reigns even more. We each will reign with Christ. And the third consequence that came from Adam's failure was condemnation as it entered the world. All mankind is under that condemnation and death. You might think that it's not right or illogical that one man's decision should bring that kind of condemnation. But think about this. Think about if one man made a foolish decision and actually pushed that button for those missiles to get launched, those nuclear missiles. And as they got launched, somebody else's computer system caught that and they launched their missiles back. And they launched them back at us. And this would cause massive destruction. And billions and billions of people would die because of one man's foolishness. And that's exactly what happened when Adam sinned. One man's foolishness, we all paid. That's exactly what happened when Adam bombed. Adam's sin brought condemnation, but Christ's work on the cross brings righteousness and justification. When a sinner trusts in Christ, he is justified, declared righteous in Christ. Under Jesus, we can reign in life through the one, the one man, Jesus Christ. We are saved in Christ, the head of the new creation. God's plan was both gracious and wise for all of us. And Paul will elaborate on this distinction where he compares the magnitude of the sin with the magnitude of the gift of grace. Sin not only introduced death into the world, but Adam's sin also enabled death to literally rule the world. Nothing can break us free from that except Jesus Christ. Think about how much bigger of an impact grace has. Instead of living in fear of death, Those who believe in Jesus Christ reign in life through him, the one who made it happen. And the gift of grace and righteousness spread to all those who respond in faith. The result of Christ's act of reconciliation is eternal life for all of us. In verse 18, it says, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, So also one righteous act resulted in justification in life for all people. Now Paul begins a new thought here. He now compares the results of the one trespass with the one righteous act, the free gift of grace. What Adam did, it was condemnation and it polluted us. But what Jesus did by that one act, it purifies us. Adam washed us out and Jesus washes us clean. We were brought from darkness to light. Christ's free gift has brought righteousness, a right standing before God, giving justification available to the whole world before God. The scope of salvation is universal. Christ died for everyone, all mankind. The comparison is finished. Christ has reversed the sin of Adam And its consequences. And now in verse 19, we'll see the fourth consequence of Adam's failure that sin continually enters the world. Paul will explain how one man's sin could lead to such devastation. Verse 19, for just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. The original act of disobedience led to many becoming sinners through their disobedience. We all have been condemned because of Adam's sin, and we continue to sin as a result. And Paul's probably being pretty tough on Adam, right? You think? He's being pretty tough. He's placing all this sin and this death of all mankind on him. And he's also placing all the junk in our lives as well, right? Everything that happens in our lives, his disobedience, I think that's Paul's point. I think that's what he's trying to do. Because one man bombed out, but the good news. One man bombed out, but one man brought grace and righteousness. How much more good can happen because of the one man, Jesus Christ, coming into our life? The obedience of Jesus, his obedience made righteousness available to each and every one of us. To all who were sinners that could stood condemned, the free gift of grace came to all men. Now let me ask you: Does this mean that all men are justified by the free gift? No, they're not. It's not true that everyone's justified by it. Will receive the benefit? Will everyone receive the benefits of his obedience? Not at all. Without making a personal choice, every person receives the curse of Adam's offense. We're born into it. We have to make a choice. We have free will, a personal choice. And Paul makes it clear that the free gift is not like the offense. They are not identical in their result or in their application at all. We all get what Adam did. Over the next three verses, Paul calls the work of Jesus a free gift, and he never uses the words to apply that to the work of what Adam did at all. It's simply the nature of the gift that must be received by faith. We must receive that grace by faith. And Paul clearly teaches through the New Testament that we are not all saved. It's limited to those who accept it. The free gift comes to those who receive and accept Jesus Christ in their lives. It came in the sense that the gift is presented, but not necessarily received. Have you ever been given a gift that you didn't receive? I think about that when it comes to the gifts that God's given each one of us. I think about when I get to heaven and I th- I've always looked at this picture and like I see these gifts over here, and they're all wrapped. It's like, what are all those gifts? Those are the gifts I gave you, but you never opened them. You never used them. You never received them. God gives us gifts, and he wants to use them. God does not force salvation on anyone, but he freely gives it to everyone who believes and receives Jesus Christ and accepts that free gift of grace. The point here is we're all saved individually as we respond in faith and receive God's grace. Grace changes everything. Jesus changes everything. In verse 20, it says, the law was brought in so that the trespasses might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? Paul shows us that the law does not justify us. Now he shows that in itself, the law doesn't even make us sinners. The law doesn't make us sinners. Adam makes us sinners. Adam did that. But Paul returns to this relationship between the law and sin. And what does the purpose of the law, what does it serve? There is a clear purpose of that law. And we see that in Romans 3, 19 through 20. Now we know that whenever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. There's an accounting for that. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight, By the works of the law, rather, through the law, we become conscious of our own sin. The law was given as that mirror to help us see our own dirty faces, our own sin in our life. The sinful heart that we have, the sinful heart that I have, every time I see that line and I want to cross it, the law reveals to us that we're already sinners. Sinners in need of a Savior. Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. If sin abounded under the law, then grace abounded much more under Jesus Christ. Amen. We might have expected where sin abounded that God's anger and His judgment would have abounded much more. Wouldn't you think? If there was more sin, God's anger and His wrath. But God's love is so amazing. His grace is so amazing that grace abounded much more where we might have expected more of God's wrath. We can't sin more than what God can forgive. He can forgive all our sins, but we can reject His grace and His forgiveness. There is a corresponding principle at work. As the knowledge of sin increased, grace increased all the more. The point is grace shows us the forgiveness we have in Christ and grace will always triumph over sin. God's grace was more than adequate to deal with man's sin. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus' power is perfected in our weakness We like to downplay our weakness and focus on our strengths, don't we? We like to look like we're strong. We've got it all together. But really, we're weak. And when we're weak, that's when God's made strong through us. But God claims my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. The reign of grace is marked by righteousness and eternal life through Jesus Christ. And Paul closes this chapter with a purpose statement. It's about sin and grace as they work in God's divine economy. God's grace is also reigning through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. As Christ followers, our bodies are subject to death and our old nature tempts us to sin. But in Jesus, we can reign in life because he is part of the gracious kingdom God. The enemy is still free to work in this world and he does and he seeks to win men's alliance all the time each and every day. Sin and death are reigning in the old creation which Adam was the head of but grace and righteousness are reigning in the new creation which Christ is head. Jesus came to be king over the new creation. Second Corinthians 5.17, it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Amen. Grace was not an addition to God's plan. It wasn't something he thought of as an afterthought. Grace was part of God's plan from the very beginning. God dealt with Adam and Eve in grace. God dealt with Israel in grace. And God gave the law to Moses to reveal man's need for grace. It's about our knowledge of sins, reign of terror resulting in death. In the same way that grace too would reign over everything through righteousness. Resulting in eternal life through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For all who receive him and believe in him. And all that Christ accomplished through his death and resurrection. By Christ's obedience on the cross, he brought in righteousness and justification for each and every one of us. Christ not only undid the damages of Adam's sin, but he accomplished much more by making us the very sons and daughters of God. And that's what makes it much more because it is much more. We can't help being in Adam, for this came from our first birth, which we had no control over. Everything wrong in this world today, and we like to look at everything that's wrong in our families, everything that's going on in this world and in work, is all because of Adam's failure. Knowing this will allow us to see people differently. When we see the thief and we see the murderer or the cheater, they are no less sinners than what we are, each and every one of them. It's always easier to say, I'm not as bad as that guy. That isn't the way God sees us. God sees sin as sin. It's no wonder that Jesus could look at the multitudes and have compassion on them and not crusade against them. He had compassion. And when this sinks in for each and every one of us, about this compassion that all are sinners. It's not their fault, even though we do sin. But but by the grace and the righteousness of one man, the justification that came through the grace through Jesus Christ. And when we get this, we'll stop being judgmental. We'll stop working so hard at things and we'll become worshipers. We'll worship God. We'll be thankful in whatever situation we're in Because of the grace of God that we all have. We'll stop looking at people with unforgiveness. Remember Jesus on the cross? After he was beaten and hung on that cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them because they do not know what they do. The world is like that. They don't know what they do. And we should have that kind of compassion on a lost world. For our old sin nature, because we were born in Adam first. But we can experience a second birth, a new birth from above that will put you in Christ. Jesus said this in John 3, 7, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Salvation is based upon one thing. It's based on a choice. A choice that we make, we have free will. Choosing Adam Or choosing Jesus means everything. Paul compares the work of Adam with the work of Christ to show that how sin and death came into the world and how God made a way for us to escape that. Adam came first as a lawbreaker when he ate from this restricted tree. He brought sin and death to all who came after him. But Jesus on the cross paying for our sins, making it possible for all of us who believe to reign with Him in eternal life. Amen? If we choose Adam, we choose judgment and condemnation and death. But if we choose Jesus, we receive the free gift of God's grace and justification and eternal life with Him in heaven. The grace and the goodness of God in sending one man, the last Adam, his son, Jesus Christ, so that we could all receive the free gift of God. So as we close, I just want to say one thing. Choose wisely. If you haven't chose Jesus Christ, if you haven't had the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ into your life, I want to give you that opportunity now to receive grace, to receive eternal life, to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word tonight. We know that death is in this world, but eternal life comes through your son, Jesus Christ. And if there's anyone here who does not have a relationship with you, that has not received that grace and open that free gift that you so much gave to each and every one of us. It was free to us, but it was very costly to you. Just allow them to pray this prayer right now. Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I repent of those sins. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I I want to repent of my sins and follow you for the rest of my life, all the days of my life. I want to receive that free gift and open it so that I may have eternal life with you. I want to receive that justification. I want to be righteous. I want to live the right way in your eyes. Father, I receive Jesus today in my life. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.